0: Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm Lisa, your host, and this podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. PR Daily is a great resource for communicators like me I drop in there to get my training to get more information about what's going on in the industry and really just to learn more about what my colleagues are up to as well so to find more episodes of the podcast please join me there at prdaily.com or uh, join me at the website which is fridayreporter.com and if you like the show be sure to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts because that really helps get the word out about the podcast and the work that we're doing here to get you guys to know More about the reporters that cover your industry. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today's episode, I am super lucky to have Bob Cusack, who is the editor in chief from the Hill newspaper, with me. He is, uh, without question, one of the busiest journalists in Washington, D.C. these days, and I'm just so grateful for your time today. Bob, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to
0: it. So, Bob, the Hill newspaper, for those people who aren't inside the Beltway, uh, is obviously it's a must read. Every morning we get up, we have to see what's on, uh, you know, on the the website, what's in the paper, what are folks going, what's driving the day. And a lot of that really comes from the content that you and your team produce every single day. But I'm curious, how is it, how did you get started in the journalism business?
1: I got started in 1995. The Hill started in 1994. I started with a company called Inside Washington Publishers uh, covering the labor department, covering OSHA. Okay. And I didn't know anything about politics. I remember uh, I had never taken a poli-sci class. I thought I was going to go into sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And Inside Washington's a great company. A lot of people don't know this, but. But many uh, journalists, uh, top editors, and top journalists started inside Washington, which is a subscription based newsletter company now online, of course, like everything else. But Jim Vandehay, uh, uh, who started Politico and Axios, known him forever. Manu Raju, now at CNN, who used to be with us, he started there. Ian Swanson, my managing editor, uh, also worked there. And But when I started out, there was no, at least there was no Google or internet. So mm-hmm. when my boss came to, I didn't know how Bill became law, and I had a, a, a couple of great editors, uh, John Grano and Donna Hayes. Who kind of held my hand at, along the way. And I remember John Grano asking me, uh, he handed me some Department of Labor memo that I had no idea what it said because it was filled with acronyms. <laughs> and, and he said, You know, we need to find out. And I said, What? He said, We need to figure out what OMB uh, thinks of this memo. And I thought to myself, I got to figure out what OMB is. <laughs> um, so I didn't have the heart to ask, and which uh, obviously is the White House uh, budget office. But, you know, so I really came uh, from nowhere in, in, in political knowledge. And my college roommates were stunned that, you know, um, I watch C-SPAN all the time. Uh, so I stayed there for a while. I became uh, eventually um, held other people's hands and I became the editor of that OSHA newsletter. And then they wanted me to start a uh, health newsletter years down the road in 1998. Mm -hmm. And I was scared to death because I thought it would be, you know, starting out at the bottom again. But it was just, it was just different players. It was a lot less stressful. And The Hill was looking for a healthcare reporter in 2003. And that's when I joined there. I became managing editor a year later. They realized I had some managing experience. So uh, I only got one year of just worry about myself. And then uh, in 2014, Mm
0: -hmm. I became
1: editor-in-chief of The Hill.
0: Wow. Well, there's been a ton of talk about changes in our business since 94. I'm a 90, 95. I got started in my career. The world has changed. I mean, going from no internet to really sort of being able to access this information at a moment's notice on top of the fact that the world of journalism has changed so dramatically. Will you talk to me a little bit about sort of the, the hill and how that has changed over the course of your time?
1: Dramatically, Lisa, it's changed. I mean, the, the, one, uh, one of my favorite stories uh, about the Hill, and I wasn't at the Hill at this time, so uh, it was in the mid-1990s, and uh, the, the paper uh, would come out once a week, mm-hmm. and it would come out on Wednesday morning, and the staff of seven reporters, uh, every Wednesday, they said they would go and see a matinee. On Wednesday afternoon, and I said, "Wait a minute! You you, you saw a movie in the middle of the, the workday?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you know, there was no web, and we had a, we had another week to report our one story that was going to appear the following week." So
0: wow.
1: uh, now the treadmill, uh, of course, has gotten faster and faster with with the internet and more competition certainly politico coming into the market uh, made us realize hey we've got to step our game up we've got to work on weekends yeah. we've got to do everything um, and then that's really when we started to become more of a a more of a national brand instead of niche we started out the hill started out and when i was uh, there you know sometimes we put like um uh, Washington words and headlines like cloture or obscure lawmaker names that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. We decided no, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna write for a general audience, uh like someone like my wife, uh, who's interested in politics, but y- you'll never catch her watch in C SPAN right. appealing to to her interests. And that that's where the the hill really started to to grow. But yeah, the media landscape uh just with also social media. As you know, it's also affected legislating. It's harder to get stuff done when, sure when you have is. social media outlets and and social media out there. So this, it, it's and who knows where it's going to be in five years?
0: Oh, now. I mean, in a year, right? Because it feels <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it. It everything is moving faster. I'm glad you brought up political. Uh, excuse me, Politico's entry into the marketplace because that was sort of a. It really was a, a change for all of us uh, when they came yeah. online and they started to build what they now have and obviously have morphed and changed over time. It really helped everybody raise their game as well. And and the Hill, I know um, you guys have a, a robust uh, video uh, program. You have a robust just breaking news and and information that's sort of coming and changing all the time. You have an events program that's very strong that I frequently work with because I think that you guys do such good um, policy uh, and information uh, event uh, programs for for public affairs folks as well so the world of media has has just dramatically changed over the course of that time would you say that um, the marketplace as it as it evolves and changes are there trends? Are there things that you are team, you obviously have to be seeing around the corner, right? Are there, are there other right. things that you're sort of anticipating or looking towards as possible, um, outlets for change and, and evolution over time, or is it too soon to tell?
1: Well, I mean, uh, as far as kind of where the business is going, I, I mean, it comes down to the core of when people say, well, what do you look for compared to your competitors? I said, well, I think our competitors uh, and I look for the same thing. We're looking for interesting stories. We're also looking for news you can use. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, stories on student loans because people are interested. Stories on unemployment insurance. I mean, that affects their bottom line, taxes. And really, and coming, you know, Washington, as you know, is very complicated. A lot of acronyms. The politics is tricky. There's lobbying. There's a legislative, how the branches work and fight with each other uh, sometimes. You have to know all that. But you also have to break it down. For the person who's not like us, they're not insiders. They have a job. They want to know what's going on, and 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 you're not dumbing it down. You're breaking it down to make it more digestible. And I think those kind of core things are are key. And of course, speed is is key. Uh, nice. You know where where we're going from now. I, I've been pleased that that uh, you know after President Trump lost the election, he obviously was. Was great for for ratings and web traffic, and I and I I've been pleasantly surprised that The Hill and others are growing, and new media outlets are coming along. So that means, but that's more competition, and that makes it uh, harder to hire people. So mm-hmm. you've got to be on your toes. It's tough, really, competing against so many uh, smart publications like Politico and Axios, you know. But but when we've been able to to certainly hold our own, and and uh, it's a friendly competition. We, we it's a it's a family, but it, but it is something that. Um, you know, I, I think over the last several years with the pandemic, a, a lot of a lot of reporters have gotten tired uh, and and um, I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, and some have left the business.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's for all of the journalists that I talk to on the podcast, there are uh, many others who are I, I like to call them media adjacent because they have moved on. They're doing other things. They're talking about different things now because there is such an evolution and a change. And I think. You know, you, you struck a nerve for me because the pandemic um, on a lot of levels was particularly hard on Capitol Hill journalists. It was uh, not only uh, well, it wasn't only hard because news didn't stop happening. Congress didn't stop, stop coming to Washington. Um, January 6th, obviously, a, a historic and a terrifying day for, for many Um but the other thing, too, that struck me that I felt like was really sort of a, a mark, and, and maybe you've heard this story, too. Journalists, Capitol Hill journalists, because not everyone could be in the building physically in the Capitol, were actually, for the first time ever, rather than trying to be the first, they were actually sharing with one another um, transcripts okay. of conversations. or And that collegial feeling, as much as you're continually in competition with one another, also... I think illustrates the the great um, camaraderie that exists amongst that that news set.
1: Uh, yes, and I, I definitely got the sense that there was more cooperation amid a once in a lifetime, uh, hopefully, pandemic. And, and 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 it, it has been tough. It's been tough, especially for journalists, because some of you know it, you know change is tough. Um, and and when when we st- said okay, we're not we're gonna need to work from home. Uh, this thing is dangerous. Um, then people were like. Antsy, they wanted to come back to the office and they kept asking me for a date. And I said, I'm not gonna set a date because we don't know what's going on with right. this virus. Yeah. Um, and so that was hard being at home. And then and then we you know we obviously you have January 6th, and we had a handful of people up there, people getting COVID. I mean, it's just been a very difficult uh stretch. And and I think that there has been some uh silver linings of the pandemic, and one of them is is I think going back to the collegiality that of the past and, and reporters um, being less snipey uh, Mm -hmm. at each other, especially on, you know, even I've seen even some reporters be, you know, kind of take a little break from Twitter, which is, I think a good thing. Which
0: is kind of fantastic. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Tell me, Bob. So, um, there, are, there is a big structure inside of your building filled with tremendous people, and, and you talk about that a little bit. Tell me, though, as editor-in-chief, sort of what does that what is that perch, what does that mean to, to the audience? Like, what is the editor-in-chief for The Hill newspaper? What, are, what does that look like for an outsider looking in?
1: Well, Lisa, I push a lot of paper around, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the day. And uh, as you mentioned, we have a lot of divisions. We used to just be a print newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember asking a reporter— you know, can you do a web story on blank? And the reporter said, why? Why would I want to do a web story? Okay, so so obviously th- that was many years ago. Now we have the web. You mentioned we have an events team. We have an opinion team. We have Hill TV. We have a video team, mm-hmm. um, all that. And, of course, the business side uh, that, that brings in the revenue. And, the, you know, that's something that, as as we've grown, I'm in touch with all those divisions. So a lot of what I do, honestly, doesn't <laughs> have um, – Uh, a lot to do with journalism. We have a a, a daily call, and I'm uh, obviously like everyone else, I'm on email and talking to people throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of what I do is really putting out fires in different divisions. So the division heads will come to me with with an issue uh, or someone complaining. uh, You know, uh, about uh, six weeks, uh, a couple months ago, uh, former President Trump had a had a problem with one of our stories that was completely accurate. Um, I, I I called him back and uh, I and you know he I, he said well you know maybe you you should change it or take the story down. I said no no <laughs> I'm gonna do that. But if you want to say something about the story. Um, that's wow. fine. I'll, I'll include it. So, you know, th- that was a, an unusual day. I've interviewed him four times. So, so I know, uh, the former president. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you also have to, sometimes you make a mistake. You got to admit it. Um, but th- that's what I have to do is guide our coverage. I don't, I'm not in the trenches. I'm not doing a lot of line editing. Mm-hmm. I used to do that a lot as managing editor. Ian Swanson is a fantastic managing editor, uh, who runs the newsroom. So I'm, I'm in really, uh, I'm definitely part of the newsroom now, but I'm, all those divisions are reporting to me now. So uh, that keeps me busy throughout the day.
0: I bet. And so you also mentioned for so long, the Hill newspaper was a must read right here inside of the Beltway, but now the world is a lot more global. When you think about your audience for the Hill, is there, are there targets that you have? Are there folks that you know that are regular consumers of the information that you share? Maybe audiences that we wouldn't be thinking of?
1: Well, it's interesting. Our audience used to be our audience used to be a lot smaller. And, mm. and now, you know, if you look at the stats, I mean, we uh, Politico and the Hill are very close, but but most uh, months we're beating them in traffic and Axios as well. Mm. Um, but at, at the same time, um, you know, it's you want to have you want to have traffic that's actually going to Appeal to people, and we used to be just a Washington D.C., New York readership, right? right? Because of that inside stuff, and and Wall Street would read us, and 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 I said, listen, you know, one of the uh, when I was uh, covering healthcare, the most important person in healthcare was the late great Robert Pear of the New York Times. Of course, um, people, and and I told people, listen, Robert Pear. Knows, and it was really fun to try to like beat Robert Pear because he's so hard to beat Mm -hmm. um, to get to stuff. But, um, and I respected him a lot, but he wrote to an audience that the insiders would read as well as. You know my parents uh, back then who wanted to know what's the latest on Medicare or, yeah. or that kind of thing. So that's our audience. So we've noticed that now, you know, different states, whether it's Texas or California, we see these readership grow up. We have international readers uh, as well. So that's that's a good thing. And of course, you know, just like you want to be a better tennis player, a better golfer uh, in in a month and six months, you know, we want to be better, and we you know we want to strive to be better. We want to have a larger audience. We want to have without being clickbaity. But we want to have people read our stuff. That's that's why we do what we do. And sometimes reporters are like, "Well, you know, I think why don't we do a more narrow uh, <laughs> angle?" I said, "No, no, no. You know, if you know if if the story is uh, you know, Ted Kennedy uh, has passed away, uh, the story is not. Uh, there's an opening on the health." Uh, committee uh, right. the story is that kennedy has died and, right. and let's not jump over the lead so sure. that's that's also kind of a retraining of you know because sometimes people would try to come up with kind of smart alecky leads that no 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 we need to appeal to again that that non-insiders because when we made that shift at least the political junkies didn't leave us we give them what they want but of when course. you come to the home page of the com, you're going to find out everything that's going on in politics and we obviously do a lot of original stuff exclusive stuff um, but if uh, Politico or CNN writes a big story, then we're gonna let you know what they they reported. Link to them, credit them as we would expect. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 media outlets are pretty good at that. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's that's been key to our growth.
0: Yeah, I, and I love I love that too because I think that that is something that for some time there was a a resistance to sharing what others were covering, and now it feels as if there's a lot more uh, credit to given to colleagues and friends, which is good journalism and just good communications in general, but that alone is, is very well noticed from the outside looking in. When you reflect back on the last several years in terms of news and, and coverage uh, for The Hill and perhaps even for yourself, is there a news story? Is there a set of a series of uh, activities? Is there anything that stands out to you as something you're especially proud of? Well, we did a uh,
1: seven-part series and it was something that I've done before um, back uh, when I covered healthcare, George W. Bush really needed to add Medicare drug benefit to, to Medicare. And it's the greatest expansion of Medicare at the time. Mm. And and, I, and I, I found out so much great information after that bill narrowly passed in the middle of the night uh, in one of the most historic votes
0: yes, sure uh,
1: ever. And just as a side on that vote, that vote uh, in the House started at 3 a.m. on a Friday night in the House Periodical Gallery at that time. This was the biggest Uh, domestic policy issue of of George W. Bush's uh, first term, and he needed to get a second term, there were about 10 reporters uh, there (laughs) from 3 to 6 a.m. So now there would be hundreds and hundreds of uh, of reporters. Um, But so what we did, and similar to that, and I needed help, of course, because this was a big deal. After the Trump tax law passed, we decided, okay, let's go and talk to both sides. Um, And of course, Republicans... And Democrats didn't agree on that bill. Uh, yeah. So but we did talk to some Democrats who felt like uh, they were shunned. But we did a seven part series and we found out some great stories. And you can find it now if you if you if you Google you know, how how the Trump tax law, uh, Trump tax bill became law. Uh, you'll find it. And that's that was a great thing. We we talked to to many. Many key players for that, including Ivanka uh, Trump and others, and and that won a that won a journalism award. And it was really the work of about a dozen reporters and 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 a handful who did who did the most work. And I, I was really proud of that. Uh, and it was it was re- received well from from both sides.
0: I'm going to make sure I link to it in the in the in the bio for the for the oh, podcast great. episode too, because I know that our listeners will want to read that as well. It was Im- especially impressive, and I think probably one of the things that uh, the early days of the Trump administration is really revered and, and and admired by for those for those who worked on the hill we recognize a lot of the names of a lot of the folks that were involved in that process as being among the best uh, policy folks so I certainly recognize that and I will share it because I think that you're right and and boy um I, I remember I, I arrived on the hill not long after that uh, historic vote uh, and I uh-huh. it was. It, Folks to this day continue to talk about it as we just have in in a way that is just um, regarded as one that was was uh, was a night to be there. Right. And so to be one of those 10 is remarkable.
1: It was. And 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 I want a few words for that. In retrospect, I really should have written a book on it because because it was such a fascinating uh, battle. And and as you remember, Lisa, uh, Mike Pence was trying to take that bill down. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with Jeff Flake, who obviously, uh, since uh, the Pence Flake relationship has uh, <laughs> dissolved Fra- <frenchured>. uh, in the wake of uh, <laughs>
0: dissolved, better way to serving put it. with
1: mm-hmm. with, uh, with President Trump, but but that Mike Pence was a very different Mike Pence than we saw in in the White House. That's for no sure. question,
0: and that is true of a lot of lawmakers that we've watched over the course of time. There's been a, there's not only been an evolution of media and an evolution of social and an evolution of. Lots of other things. The evolution of some of our uh, lawmaker uh, colleagues has also dramatically adjusted over the course of time, and I would put some of that on the the exposure that folks are getting of them through media and otherwise.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 been revealing to watch. Uh, you know, it's sometimes people um, go into the White House and. Uh, I, their heads get a lot bigger uh, and they become different people. Not everyone. Uh, some people are great. I remember just for one Dana Perino was was someone you could always always count on.
0: Uh, True blue authentic and still on my list and uh, going to be a guest of the podcast. We, she's luckily oh, she's been great. writing a book and doing some remarkable things but uh, but she will be someone that we'll talk to at some point. I absolutely agree. She is uh, one of the one of the greats and one of the um, still very admired and appreciated by her colleagues and friends.
1: Yes, no, she's great.
0: But as we talk about these sort of, uh, you know, famous for Washington types, type of people, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, when you do a little research on Bob Cusack and his background, you also find out that he uh, has a at least one, maybe there are more perhaps, but a more recent uh, movie credit. Will you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I, um, I auditioned, uh, I, I well, my, the start of my Acting quote a career when it was when I was a kid, I was in theater uh, with my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents had regular jobs, mm-hmm. um, but at at night they would put on uh, dramas like Thursday, Friday and we 'd also put on kid' show like Jack and the Beanstalk, and it was off 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 Broadway mm-hmm. that the actors wouldn 't get paid. the money would just go to to pay the the rent of the small facility we used. But I also got into Screen Actors Guild by being a Pampers baby. Um, and my friends no, are, want, want, want to get that footage and they will never see it. I don't think it exists. <laughs> thank, <laughs> um, thank goodness there uh, wasn't
0: an internet back then.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, it'd be on YouTube in a second. So so anyway, so then as a kid, I would audition for roles. And then, you know, I was into sports. And it's ho- so hard when you audition for roles. If you get one out of 100, you've done a great job. So I, after a while, I said, I told my parents, I'm not interested. I want to play sports after. But I stayed in the union and I did. A lot of extra work on a lot of a lot of movies, and then the 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 biggest role since Pampers um, happened a little while back, and that was a cameo on Veep, and that's uh, episode uh, the season three, and it's on abortion, and I play a pro-life lobbyist, and that was a lot of fun because the fictional characters um, were asking me about what it, it, were, it, were, it was one of the shutdown fights, and they were asking me why what, what John Boehner did last night, What is he thinking, um, and and it was just so kind of cool because when you're an extra you know you're told not to talk to the principals but when you even have a small speaking role that the principals come to you and sure. and it was awesome because politico and the hill were real props uh-huh. on the set um and then so then so basically because of my job right now i don't do extra work maybe i'll do it when i'm retired but i've, I've told agents say oh listen I'm, I'm willing to try out for something so i tried out uh for a wonder woman role and i got the role and I was a reporter on the scene, very different situation than Veep, which was kind of relaxed and not stressful. This was <laughs> uh, 110 degrees outside uh, the Landmark Mall in Alexandria, Virginia, yep. and I am reporting on what, uh, how Wonder Woman saved the day um they changed my lines halfway through the scene uh and it was it was two people fainted they had to go to the medic uh, a car overheated they had four people blowing air on me because I was sweating like a pig um and, <laughs> welcome and to then, Washington
0: I, right <laughs> and so
1: then I got I got woozy and if I messed up the, the lines then the 50 extras behind me are gonna are like oh my goodness <laughs> get the you know they're all dying in the heat so yeah. uh, but it was fun and, and and it, they didn't cut the scene. You never know they're going to cut the scene. Yes. Uh, so when it came out finally on Christmas Day a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, on HBO Max because of the pandemic, it, it, it uh, we we got a big big kick kick out of it, and it, it's uh, it, it's fun. But you know, some people are like, well, this could lead to something big. I'm like, uh, I'm keeping my J job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but how fun for you! What a fun hobby, and 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 certainly. The movie, if I remember right, was held for a little time, too, because of a the long pandemic. time. Yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So it was so and that's and the thing is, if you if your scene gets cut, you don't get a credit at the end mm. and you also don't get royalties, which are nice. Uh, certainly in the beginning, then then they become a lot smaller and I still get uh, royalties from Veep and, and literally like sometimes 90 cent checks. <laughs> um, but my friends would ask me, well, when will you know if you made the final cut? And mm. I said, when I see the movie, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a day player. I'm not the star. They're not yes. going to keep me informed on that kind of stuff.
0: Right. It was a great, I mean, I loved it. And I love the fact that the landmark mall played a little role in it. I live in Alexandria, not that far from there. So it was a lot of fun, but I also just, I love that, that extra sort of, um, you know, the fact that you were part of that movie because it was really sort of a, people were, they were looking for, um, Gal Gadot. They were looking, there was like a, you know, a, a a celebrity spotting sort of activity, or occasionally you'd see a mention in one of the news pubs about you know the taping for the yes. movie happening. So even more fun to know um, that you had a had a role there too because I saw it and I remember seeing you. But all of that coming together, uh, you just never know.
1: And I think it is very important for, and I tell this to our journalists and other journalists and other people who are just Washington people when they want my advice, is you got to have something else. Um, politics is so intense. As we've been discussing, it's more intense every day, every year. Um, I play uh, competitive uh, tennis. I played tennis in college. Mm -hmm. You need something, whatever it is, playing the guitar. If it's all about work, you're going to burn out, especially in the pandemic. So it's important to to give your mind some rest and, and not check your phone every second.
0: That is such good advice, and I think it's every, even even now two plus years into this, and we're still at it on and off. But it's a little bit stop and start. It's I think some of the best advice uh, you could give anybody.
1: Yeah, and it it is it is something that uh, you have to remind yourself from time to time. Is is this really necessary? And and you know as you get older, certainly you start to to think about. Uh, you know, what, what, and this pandemic has obviously had a lot of people thinking about what am I doing in life?
0: Yes. Is it what I want to do? Um,
1: you know, and it's, it's tough. I mean, COVID we, we've all known people who've, who've passed away, uh, Mm. from, from COVID and, and it's tough. And, and it's, you know, I got COVID about a month ago and it was, it was rough. I'm, I was, you know, I'm vaccinated and boosted, but, but it wasn't pleasant. And, but at least I had the, the, you know, during that 10 days, which was rough, I I knew, okay, I'm not going to die from this, even though I felt like it at times. So it it has been a, a stressful time, but that's why you need the other hobbies uh to to get your mind off uh what you're doing nine to five or or a lot more nine to five
0: i couldn't agree more and i think that it's um i mean it's part of the reason why i started the podcast and and looked for other ways to sort of connect with others to talk about other things and and over the course of time we've had people rec i've had people recommend great books or great things to watch or uh you know other things that are keeping them busy even if it's just you know getting out to the local parks and the beautiful places that we have here uh around dc
1: I think it's a great idea to start the podcast because people need, need this. You know, they, they have lost connections. Um, we're still not back in the office. I'm in the office sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but not on, on a regular basis. So those connections, and it's great to see, you know, sometimes we'll have a staff happy hour if someone's leaving. Um, and it's fun to just see people uh, again. And, but it's it, it has been mentally tough on, 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 on everyone. And, and honestly, I think it's been toughest on the kids. You know, I have three kids. It's just, you know, the graduations are not have not been the same. Prom's haven't been the same or canceled. That's pretty tough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's uh, I had heard that it's especially hard on those under 18 and over 65. But those of us in the middle are caring for people on both ends of that. Time time timetable. So like we're really in the, in the the squeeze on that as well. So it's good. And it has been, um, it has been fun to, to chat with people like yourself. Um, I'm curious as we get to the end of our conversation, Bob, is there a journalist? Is there a guest? Is there someone you might recommend for a future conversation?
1: I don't know if you've had him, Lisa, but um, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of, of Chad Pergrams of uh, Fox News. He's very much right down the middle. Uh, he's a great reporter, and I've worked with him on, on internship programs that he's helped uh, uh, with us. And, and uh, Chad is just kind of someone who's always getting, getting a story and getting it getting it right and 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 i i think he's also an interesting character because he has his own uh hobbies that he he likes to get away with you know I have, from, from the
0: day job okay, so mutual mutual admiration society for chad pergram <laughs> i have a very funny chad pergram story uh he has been invited he has not uh he has not been a guest yet okay he is uh famously known as the first person on the hill to know when i was expecting my first kiddo who's now 16 years old. So yes, he always does get the story and he asked me before I had told, you know, my colleagues and friends, he asked me in the speaker's lobby if it was if it was public and I thought how in the world did you even know? I am five feet tall. It was not obvious. I was five seconds expecting, and Chad Pergram had the story first. And I still we laugh about that all the time. He's he, you're absolutely right. He does tremendous work on the Hill. He has a great blog. He has a daily email. He sees around the corner. He is a remarkable. He was remarkable when, remarkable when he did radio. Uh, I'm gonna tell him that you nominated him. Maybe we can apply a little pressure and get him on the show. Uh, Maybe that would yeah. Would and and
1: to, to be fair, I you know I could have said anybody from the Hill, but. I don't want to pick out favorites or a lot of people at the hill that would break some ships. Or well, <laughs> I've been lucky
0: enough to have some, and I have a few more on the invitation list. Because so you can guarantee that I'll be asking for more of them.
1: Awesome, that's great stuff,
0: Bob. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you, thank you so much for your time today.
1: I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for asking me, Lisa.
0: And that's today's Friday Reporter podcast a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much.
1: On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.